Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Crosscast. Today, we'll be talking about the conscience. What is the conscience? Does everyone have the same conscience? What do we do if our conscience condemns us? Does our conscience always align perfectly with God's moral standards? And how do we get along with people who have a very who have very different standards in their conscience. My guest today is Pastor Daniel Smith. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Crosscast, a conversation-style podcast where I, Chad Barlow, will be interviewing people and pastors from the crossing church (laughs) about how to be disciples and make disciples for the glory of god and the joy of his people today's episode is going to be on the conscience and my guest is daniel smith aka smitty hey y'all welcome daniel yep where are you from daniel me yeah uh, that's kind of a complicated question, but <clears throat> I was born in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, yep, right there on the battlefield. My mom went into labor. Just kidding, Gettysburg Hospital. <laughs> and then I moved to the Dallas area when I was five, and that's uh, where I went to high school. And then got out of the heat of Texas as fast as I could and came to good old Fort Collins, Colorado. Go Rammies. Go Rams. But go ducks more. But we'll we'll talk about the ducks later. No, we won't. Some other day, probably not. Actually, it's an issue of my conscience. <laughs> um, yeah, put you on the spot. I forgot to warn you. Um, even though this podcast is for our church body, you have to give us, and I'm gonna make you stick to the rule more than Aaron did last week. Three minute testimony, and something interesting about yourself. Oh. Okay, rule number one, you're never supposed to ask two questions at the same time. Oh, good to know. Okay. That's all right. So let's try again. Oh, um, what's your three-minute testimony? Yeah, three minutes. Three minutes. Big picture. So I grew up in the Dallas area, which is maybe considered the Bible Belt. And so if you would have asked me as I was growing up, are you a Christian? I would have said, yeah, went to the Methodist church, went to the Catholic church a little bit. Um, But was I enamored by the love of God? No. I lived a life that was to fulfill my own pleasure and satisfaction that I got from the world. And so when I went to college here at CSU, I continued pursuing my own pleasure and desires and they left me empty. And so I had a a teammate on the hockey team invite me to a Bible study. And I said, Bible study, are you kidding me? I am not studying the Bible, but I will go to church on Saturday nights because that's what all the hip, cool, millennial Christians are doing these days. And so I went to this church and then I eventually acquiesced to my friend's invitation, my teammate's invitation. 
And when I got into this Bible study, it was very evident that these Christians in this Bible study were very different from any Christian that I had interacted with in my life. And I kept wondering why, what is it that is different? Over the course of my life, I think my conscience bared witness that I was sinful and the decisions that I made in my life were opposed to God. They were wrong. Um, but it wasn't until I started reading the Bible that I actually understood that, yeah, God doesn't condone sex outside of marriage. God doesn't want us to live for ourselves. He wants us to live for him. And so I think it was a mixture of reading the Bible and the Christian community living out the Bible that I said, wow, these guys have something that I don't have. And what they had was Jesus. And I wanted Jesus. And so that was in the summer of 2008. Gave my life to the Lord. I don't, I don't really remember a time or a place, but it was during that time when I was hearing the Bible taught, when I was reading the Bible, and when I saw it lived out in the context of the Christian community. I saw the love of Christ extended to me through these Christians, but I also saw it lived out amongst one another and said, I want that. And so gave my life to the Lord, started following him pretty hard, uh, got into ministry a couple years later, never would have thought that I'd be a pastor. Um, but in God's providence, and his wisdom, he, uh, he's called me to this role of, upon which it's a joy to serve. Amen. Awesome story. That I'm more towards the, the snobby side which of the spectrum. That? Oh, so not snobby and snobby are the very ends of the spectrum? Uh, like hyper snobby is oh. one end. And like I'll drink Maxwell House and Folgers and I think it's just as good as the other stuff. That's the other side of the okay. spectrum. And so you're just below hyper snobby. Yeah, like I will refuse coffee if it's not craft coffee. They actually talk about that in this book, The Conscience. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like that's one of the issues of our day is like fair trade craft mm -hmm. coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I guess that's interesting enough. We can move on. But I guess one more quick thing just so everyone can know on another platform Bluebell ice cream or Tillamook ice cream? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, being from Texas, I would have said Bluebell through and through. But uh, Bluebell has high fructose corn syrup in it. Mm, in case stay you don't know away that. from that. Yeah. And after I had children and I saw what high fructose corn syrup did to my children, I said, there's got to be a better way. And then my friend Chad Barlow came along and he said, have you ever had Tillamook ice cream? And I said, no way, dude. And then I tried it and it is the creamiest ice cream. Amen. Like ice cream is supposed to be creamy and Tillamook ice cream is now the gold standard. I would encourage you all to go buy some and support your local business. Amen. Again, amen. But let me just say, I didn't recommend Tillamook because of a lack of high fructose corn syrup. I recommended it because it, it tastes like angels made it and sent it from heaven. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't think I'd go that far yeah. because I don't know how many angels are in Oregon <laughs> where they actually make it, but there's probably some, and maybe they work in the factory. We'll find out someday. Some have entertained angels unawares. Oh, man, that's definitely another podcast. I got some thoughts about that. Ooh, okay. There we go. We got another episode. Mm. What's this one about, buddy? This one's about the conscience. Um, Daniel, you and I recently, you, um, or me more recently than you read um, this book called Conscience, What It Is, How to Train It, and Loving Those Who Differ by Andrew David Nacelli and J.D. Crowley. So Daniel has been raving about this book, um, not hardcore, but like really like excited about it for like, I'd say the last six months and we got it together, I think at a conference. And so I finally just read it and it only took like, what it took me like two, three weeks to read it. It's a short book and it's, it is really good and it feels very, um, like a timely topic for coronavirus and for quarantine and for everything that's going on. So yes, I asked Daniel if I could talk to him, if he could pretty much reread the book or brush up and, and school us. So my first question for you is, would just be, what is the conscience? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question that could be answered, uh, very briefly, um, but also very complexly. I'm going to go more on the brevity side, and I would say simply the conscience is your awareness of what you believe is right or wrong. Your awareness of what you believe is right or wrong. Cool. Amen. So does everyone have the same conscience? I would say that your conscience is a gift from God and every single person created in the image of God, which is everyone has a conscience, but no, they do not have the same conscience. So it's a gift from God. God gives it to us Mm -hmm. to help us know right and wrong. If it's from God, does, is it always going to align perfectly with God's moral standards or is like any of my flesh going to mix in with that and yeah, me- mess me up? Yeah, I think there's a variety of things that lead to how our conscience is shaped and molded and formed. A lot of people, th- when you throw out the word conscience, some different ideas might come to mind, like uh, Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio. He's your conscience, what you should do and what you should not do. Um, or another thing that people might think of is uh, kind of the, the angel on your shoulder versus the demon on your shoulder telling you what you should and should not do. And I think those are, are mostly unhelpful because there are so many different factors that shape our conscience, such as the home that you were raised in and the standards that your parents set forth. Should you make your bed every morning? Should you take your shoes off when you go to someone's house? 
All these things shape what you think is right and what you think is wrong, let alone the culture that you grow up in, America versus uh, a country abroad. All these things shape what you believe is right or wrong. And I would also just add that your conscience changes all the time. So the definition of your awareness of what you believe is right and wrong, that could be very different from what you believed was right and wrong, say, two years ago or maybe even two days ago with as fast as things are changing in our culture today with the coronavirus and data that's coming out and what the government says you should and should not do. Mm -hmm. So one of the big words they use in the book is calibration. We have to calibrate our conscience. And you kind of touched on that as it changes. It's something that that we could calibrate. Will you uh, explain that to us? Yeah, sure. So kind of big picture, the New Testament uses this word conscience. Uh, I'm not going to quote the Greek because I'm not a Greek scholar, but the same Greek word is mentioned close to 30 times in the New Testament. And it all has to do with this idea of your awareness of what you believe is right and wrong. And so to describe the conscience, the New Testament uses words like good having a good conscience or a clear conscience. But it also uses words such as uh, weak and defiled, um, and even as far as a seared conscience. And so with that, it leads me to believe that there's a a spectrum that you can be on with your conscience. You can have a, a good conscience or a weak conscience. You can have a clear conscience, or you can have a defiled conscience. Um, And so the question, calibration, how do you calibrate your conscience? Especially when, Chad, honestly, you might have a very different conscience about some things from me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that leads us to ask the question, what is the standard? How do you calibrate something much like an instrument? Um, I think of uh, like my speedometer on my car. Whenever I'm going down this street in my neighborhood, it says on the light post uh, speed limit sign that blinks at me, you're going 30 miles an hour. And that's over the speed limit while I look down at my speedometer and it says I'm only going 26. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, what's right? What's wrong? Is the sign right? Is my car right? And so it's an issue of how do you calibrate it? How do you calibrate your conscience? And I would say that it is God's revealed will in Scripture that calibrates our conscience. I think Martin Luther said it best that our conscience submits to the Word of God. And so whether you believe something is right or wrong, it's you, you are not the standard. I am not the standard. God's word is the standard on what we get is right and wrong. Awesome. Agreed. Yes. Amen. I need to stop saying that after every answer because 
Yeah, it's all amens. But um, what about when God's word doesn't speak? I'm pretty much getting into to this question of how to get along with other people when the when our conscience is different. For for clear biblical areas where where God tells us, you know, clearly, um, it's hard to have disagreements. But what about like what we're seeing right now in May of 2020 in the world, where some people we have this whole spectrum Christians disagreeing, one conscience saying. If you don't wear a mask everywhere and make sure you're six feet, it's not loving. And then we have people saying, you know, I'm going to go out and serve and, and love my neighbors. And, you know, if I have to be within three feet of someone to, to help, that's what I'm going to do. Like, how do we calibrate there or yeah, treat each other? Well, thankfully, um, the conscience in the New Testament speaks to issues of this, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. Uh, the, the passages for you listeners, if, if you want to go look them up, is predominantly Romans 14 and the first part of chapter 15. And then uh, 1 Corinthians chapters 8 through 10 talk to issues of the conscience and when you disagree. Um, I'm going to zoom in specifically on Romans 14. Uh, because I, I think it's the most helpful and uh, issues that, that you disagree with. Um, I'll just read it here. Um, Romans 14.1, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. So right out of the gate, even though Paul doesn't say the word conscience, He's, he's identifying, okay, someone here is weak in faith, yet they're supposed to be welcomed. Mm-hmm. But in that welcoming, you don't quarrel over opinions, over issues of the conscience. So verse 2, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. So I think the overriding principle that Paul operates from is this concept of love. That is our duty as Christians to love God, but also to love our neighbor especially when we disagree with them in issues of opinion. Here in Romans 14, he gives a number of different examples, but we've been talking, or I've been reading about the one, the example of eating only vegetables versus eating meat. Now, it's it's kind of hard for us to really grasp this concept being a uh, 21st century Fort Collins Christian, Mm -hmm. Uh, but many people had issues in their conscience of eating meat back in Jesus and Paul's day. And a lot of that had to do with the laws from the Old Testament of what was kosher and what was not allowed to eat. And in particular, bacon could not Mm. be could not be consumed. I, 
it's just hard to fathom, so, right? It's horrible. Yeah. Right? That's just, you talk about suffering. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But Paul's really wrestling through people who have an issue with eating that right there. And so is it wrong for someone to abstain from eating pork, from eating bacon? And no, it's not. But he characterized them as weak, which is so interesting because, you know, some if if I were to say, hey, Chad, you're weak in the faith, in the faith. I'm offended. Yeah, you'd probably want to punch me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not a derogatory thing that Paul's saying here. He's he's describing that someone has not grown or been sanctified in this area of what God's Word says. And therefore, they're weak in their understanding. And they they need to get edumacated. They need to go to the school of Bible, <laughs> you know, it's a good school. And I just think of the, the story in Acts chapter 10, when that sheet comes down from heaven and there's animals on it. And God says to Peter, rise, kill and eat. And Peter's like, ah, no way. I, I can't do that. Lord, I've never tasted anything undefiled mm-hmm. uh, or def- defiled. I've, I've never done anything like that. And then God tells him again, yeah. Peter, kill and eat. And thus he declared all foods clean. Man, praise God for that. Mm-hmm. It says it multiple times in the New Testament that all foods are clean. Mm-hmm. So we can go eat bacon. Let's go eat some after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had another question for you. Um, oh, so... What's your opinion or, you know, you don't have to cite verses, put you on the spot, but it's, it seems like the burden is going to be on, doesn't he talk about the burden is on one of these people to, to, to do more of the compromise and it's, it's on the stronger, the stronger, I'm putting it in quotes, everyone, you can't see me because this is a podcast, but if, if I'm free to eat meat and you Smitty aren't. Doesn't the Bible say, if I'm calibrating correctly, if I'm reading scripture correctly, that it, the burden's on me to, to around you to not eat meat, lest it cause you to stumble? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, the, the principle is that it's not going to be loving for you to eat meat around me because I, in my conscience, only want vegetables. And I think it's a sin for someone else to, to do it. And so if I'm going to stumble, if, if I'm going to either think ill will about you, which my conscience needs to be calibrated, or if I'm going to say, oh, maybe I should be eating vegetables. And then that causes me to sin against my conscience, Mm. then I think scripture makes it clear. You should never go against your conscience. Your conscience is given to us by God to believe what is right and wrong. And so if I believe that something is wrong, I, I always do well to not go against my conscience. And what if, what if you do it and it's condemning you? 
Then what? You're just like racked with guilt. Man, that's where I'm so thankful that the conscience is something that can be cleared. And the author of this book also wrote a children's book on the conscience. Um, I think it's just called What is the Conscience? Uh, kids book. And there's an illustration in there of um, you can swap out the words to the famous hymn, uh, Nothing But the Blood. Um, and the lyrics of that song go, What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What and he swaps it out with what can make my conscience clear? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so if if anyone out there is listening to this and they believe that they've done something wrong, um, if if their conscience is condemning them, man, I, I would just hope that they would they would take hope in the fact that Jesus shed his blood so that we can be forgiven of our sins, both in a uh, judicial stance before God, but also in an understanding of that, that has been cleared, that has been washed. Our conscience no longer um, needs to condemn us because Christ was condemned for us. And so, we can, we can take much hope that even when someone is a Christian, I think probably when somebody comes to Christ, their conscience is even more sensitive because as they're growing in their understanding of God's holiness and what he requires, they're also growing in their understanding of their own sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And for those of you that are familiar with the cross chart, if you have a line that's going upward and growing in your knowledge of God's holiness. Similarly, you have a line going downwards of your growing in your knowledge of your sinfulness. That doesn't mean that you're becoming more sinful. And that also doesn't mean that you're become that God is becoming more holy. It's just your knowledge of that, Mm -hmm. your awareness of that to go back to our conscience definition. And so hopefully what's filling the gap, between those two lines that are going upward and downwards is the cross and the fact that Jesus died for your sin so that we would be made holy in God's sight as he was holy. Praise God. So, so, so that regards my conscience condemning me or your conscience condemning you. What if my conscience is condemning you. Yeah. Yeah. So again, this is where it goes back to calibrating our conscience with the word of God. Um, we need to continue to have God's word be the standard. And so Chad, if, if you come to me and you say, man, I, I think you're in sin here. Like, man, that's a, that's a loving thing that you can do to, to say to me, but it can't be because of your conscience. It can't be an issue of what you think is right and wrong. It has to be an issue of what God thinks is right and wrong. 
And so, again, we got to come back to what is our measure? What is our bar? What is our standard? How do we calibrate? And that's from the Word of God. That's a good word, and but a hard word because this can tend to be such an emotional thing. You know, like my emotions feel so strong that that blue plaid shirt you're wearing is wrong. And I feel it so strongly. I feel it at 10 out of 10. But we have to pause and say, what does God's word say? And if it's not, like we said, if it's not explicitly clear, then then I have to say, you know what, Daniel, you're you're free to wear that blue plaid shirt. I can't, like the Bible, like you just read, like I can't pass judgment on you. And what was the other one? Judgment or just despise. Thank you. Yeah. Despise you for, you know, he says those who eat, eat to the glory of God. Those who abstain, abstain to the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to run into issues of the conscience all over the place with this coronavirus pandemic. And that's why we're talking about it. You're getting so many different opinions that people are sharing of what is right and what is wrong. And a lot of people don't really know how to think through this because there's so much data that's being thrown at them. The government is changing regulations all the time. We're recording this on Cinco de Mayo. And right now in Larimer County, if you're over the age of two, you have to wear a mask that's been set forth by the county, which like if that came out like a month ago, we would have been like, that's crazy. But we were locked in our house a month ago. And it seems like there's been a little bit of freedom for people to gather in 10 or less. But some people in their conscience, they're like, you can absolutely not gather right now. Um, But I think the government has specifically left it vague. And there's some room for interpretation there of what is necessary and what is not. And so that's going to be issues of the conscience. And so I would just encourage anybody that's listening to this as they're wrestling through this. Um, just know that your conscience is not the standard and you do well to love your Christian by asking them, Hey, are you okay with this? Hey, is it comfortable for you to see me right now to, to be six feet away from me? Is it comfortable for you to wear a mask, to not wear a mask? I mean, people are going to be all over the map on this stuff, especially as some of these regulations are lightened up. And uh, I I would just encourage everyone to have this overruling principle of love, of no, owe no one anything except for the continual debt to love one another. And that's, I would say, why God has given us a conscience, one of the big reasons why. Awesome, dude. That's a great word. Um, I just have a final thought. And then if you have a final thought, awesome. If not, we'll be done. Um, want to highly recommend again to everyone to read the book conscience by Andrew David Nacelli and JD Crowley. I am finished with my copy. Um, I think Smitty is too. So we have two, uh, uh, to loan out for any of you in our body who would like to borrow it. And then just um, encourage you to study those passages that Smitty shared, Romans 14, and what was the other one? 1 Corinthians 8, 8 through 10. Okay, yeah. Study those. Um, like I said, we just feel like this is a really pertinent topic because we're, we're seeing this all over the place right now. People's consciences are, are going off. 
right now and we're seeing conscience clashes and and again we're called to love each other so keep that up crossing church and anyone else who's listening to this daniel final word uh, i would just add uh this book has been a really helpful tool to help me think through and dive into the scriptures he does a really good job of uh, unpacking every single verse in the new testament that talks about the conscience but what's really neat is that uh, andy nacelli he's a He's a pastor and a seminary professor, but the the co-author, J.D. Crowley, is a missionary in Cambodia. And so there's a really neat perspective on cultural issues Mm -hmm. of the conscience. And I actually desire to put this book into the hands of anyone that goes overseas to make sure that we're not putting issues of the conscience in front of people as a stumbling block to the gospel. That was a really fascinating section. Oh, yeah. 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 You would just wouldn't even think about certain things in another culture where it's very disrespectful. Well, there's, I can't remember, like to step over someone's legs or something. Right. He gave a really neat example of um, he has a mango tree on his front yard. Oh, yeah. And so uh, somebody would come who lives in Cambodia and he would pick mangoes from that tree. Well, here in America, if you get on my property, I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) But in Cambodia, that's totally permissible as long as they don't take every single mango off the tree. And so there's just a a major cultural difference there that what is right, what is wrong. And, you know, for example, if he went over to that guy and just condemned him for stealing his mangoes. It, it would have totally put a stumbling block, not a stumbling block, but a hindrance in him being able to share the gospel, which is the ultimate reason why he's there, not to gather more mangoes. Right. And the Cambodian's conscience would have maybe despised him for saying, actually, it's a, it's a cultural norm for you to allow me to, to pick a few mangoes off your tree. Because this is like if you build a fence around your house in Cambodia, that would probably be really frowned upon because you're supposed to share your mangoes. So, amen. That's amen. all I got. Amen. Thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're challenged and edified. And uh, we'll see you next week or the week after, or we'll hear you. Okay, bye.